We are so glad you've joined us today. If God is doing something in your life through this ministry, we want to hear about it. Send us an email at live at trinitynwa.com to tell us your story. You can also go online to give to this ministry by going to trinitynwa.com and clicking the red Give Online button. Again, thank you so much for joining us today. If you want to experience more content, visit our website or subscribe to our YouTube channel. Turn in your Bible to Judges chapter 11, verse 1. I'm going to tell you a story today. Today may not go like a lot of other days. You'll see some things on the screen, but you may not see uh, the typical points one, two, three, and all that kind of stuff. But you're going to see some things. When you see things on the screen today, that's a real indi- good, good indication that that might be something you want to write down. But that'll be your determination. You can do that in your Bible. You could do it on a piece of paper. You can write it on your hand. I don't care where you want to write it, but there's a real good indication that when you see something on the screen today, you're probably going to want to write that down. We're going to talk today about the fact that Jephthah was a soldier. Jephthah was a soldier. He was from the region of Gilead. Jephthah's father was named Gilead. His mother was a prostitute. Now, Gilead had another had a wife who wasn't Jephthah's mama, but he had a wife and she gave birth to sons. Verse 2 said, when his wife's sons grew up, they threw Jephthah out. They told him, you'll get no inheritance from our father because you're the son of that other woman. And so Jephthah fled from his brothers and he went to live in the land of Tob. And worthless men gathered around Jephthah and went out on raids with him. Now, if you read this story, you can read it in any version that you want to. Not just this text, but if you will read this chapter and the ones following, you would see that that uh, all of those translations spell out the same thing about Jephthah's life. And basically, it would look like this. Jephthah turned out to be a powerful, mighty man of strength and ability. But that's going to be quite amazing, as you're going to find out that that happened. Now, if you remember, the st- one of the stories about Jephthah is that Jephthah made a foolish vow. You remember that? Jephthah was going into battle against the Ammonites, and he said to God, uh, if you'll give me victory over the Ammonites, I will sacrifice to you the first thing that comes out of my house when I get home. And how many of you remember what that was? That was his little daughter. And there's different theologians that believe different things. Uh, knowing that our God is not a God that would ever require human sacrifice, uh, they are those who say that she went and... Uh, with her friends into the mountains and, and bewailed or mourned um, her virginity, which some would say that basically what she did was she sacrificed her future, uh, that she would never have children, that she would never get married, that she would consecrate herself to, to a life of celibacy. And to that. There's others that say that, that, that uh, she was actually sacrificed. I, I, I can't prove it either way. Um, the verbiage that is used uh, is, is pretty strong. But uh, that's not what the message is about. But I do think there's a very good lesson that we learn from this vow before we go any further. Uh, If I could uh, be so bold as to make this statement concerning vows, uh, don't make stupid, unnecessary vows. You know what I'm saying? You know what the word Ammon means? Jephthah was asking God to help him defeat the Ammonites. You know what the word Ammon means? It means inbred. 
So Jephthah sacrificed his daughter so that he could win a battle over a bunch of inbreds. Now, don't you think he was probably going to win it anyway? That God was with him and it was going to happen. So the point that I'm trying to make is this. You don't don't be trying to make deals with God. God doesn't make deals with man. God covenants with man and we either sign on the covenant or we don't. But you don't get to make deals with God. And when you try to make deals with God, you get in a bind. How many have ever done something like that? I have. I've said, God, if you will do this, then I will do this. And, and we, we tell God some of the stupidest things. And then most of the time we have to go back and recant and say, God, I'm so sorry. Um, but, I, I, you know, I shouldn't have said that. I, I look back on that now and realize that that wasn't wisdom. I, sh- I should have never told you that I was going to stand on my head on top of the church for 12 years in a row and not eat food if I should have never said, you know, I mean, we, we just we 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 tell God these impossible, stupid things in hopes that we're going to somehow be able to sway his will. Isn't it insane when you need to understand this about God? He already has your best at heart. He already wants you to succeed. He already wants your prayers to come true. He's going to help those prayers come true. You don't need to make deals with God to get him on your side. He's already on your side. Somebody say amen. Don't make deals with God. Don't vow things to God. Just let your yeas be yeas and your nays be nays. Somebody say amen. Just tell God. Pray to God, listen to God, do what God says, but twit, quit trying to somehow twist his arm into doing what you want done because the only one's going to suffer in the long run on that is going to be you when you can't live up to the deal you made. That's what's happening in this passage. You don't have to beg, plead, or barter To get God on your side. He's already on your side. That was message number one. Didn't cost you anything. Is not what we're talking about today. But I couldn't let that get by without saying it. Somebody needed to hear it. And it was there. Here's where we're going now. I want to tell you a story about Jephthah. And the way I'm going to tell you the story. Is by telling it backwards. I'm not going to tell it as it happened frontwards. I'm going to go to the end of it. And come back. And it looks something like this. You study the life of Jephthah, you will find out that he won battles over Ammon and Ephraim. And I want you to look at all the good that we that we find about his life based on chapters 11 and 12. First of all, he, he, it says that he was buried with honor. I said I was starting at the end and coming back. He's buried with honor for a reason. It means his life was honorable. Kings and judges who did not serve the Lord were not buried The same way. He's buried with honor after, number two, after he judged Israel for six years. Judging Israel during the time of the judges was equal to being a king over God's chosen. So he was buried with honor after he judged Israel for six years. He led Israel in two major battles, both of which they won. Number four, he was a great motivator and leader. Look at chapter 11, 33, 12, verse 4. Number five, he was a man who honored his word. Number six, he was used by God. Chapter 11, verse 32. Number seven, he had the spirit of God on him that was anointing him to leave. That, that's in chapter 11, verse 29. Number eight, he was an educated man. You say, well, now how do you know that? 
Let me talk about that in just a second. During the time that he was about to go into battle against Ammon, he quoted history accurately in order to try to keep the battle from happening. I'm telling you, he was an educated person. How do you know that he knew all this that you're talking about, Pastor? If you look at it, you see he attempted to reason with the king of Ammon. And what he was trying to do when he talked to the king, he said, listen, we don't have a beef with you, Ammon. We don't want to, we're not trying to fight with you. You're bringing the battle to us. Ammon, what you don't understand is this. If anybody should have a problem with us, it should be the Amorites, not the Ammonites. Because he said, we did not take the Ammonites land like you said we did. We took the Amorites land. And he said, if you would go back and look at that in history, you'd have enough sense to know I'm telling you the truth. And he said, and besides that, the only reason we did it then was because they attacked us and we were defending ourselves. And number three, it was over 300 years ago. And number four, nobody cared until you did today. You go and study that. That's what you find out. This educated man laid out this plan to try to keep peace. But the king of Ammon, and you know what his name means, didn't have enough sense to listen to the wisdom and the logic of this peacemaker. Number 11, the scripture said he was a man of prayer. Look at chapter 11, verse 11. It says that when he was made the leader, he, quote, uttered all of his words before the Lord in Mizpah. Number 10, he was humble, not weak, humble. There's a difference. Weak doesn't mean humble. Humble does not mean weak. Chapter 11, verse 9. Here's how I know that this is the correct statement. He said to the people who came after him to lead, he said, If I lead you to victory, then make me your leader. If I prove myself worthy, then follow me. I like that kind of a leader. Don't you? I like somebody that that has enough vision and purpose that they'll stand up and say, if I'm right, follow me. And if I'm wrong, get rid of me. Didn't know what I was talking about. So surely a man with this kind of an impressive resume, he must have came from a a balanced home, uh, strong, godly background, probably had an Ivy League education. He's born into money. He's got lots of experience. He's he's had the ability to train with with strong leaders and learn under great men. Right. Well, not according to what the Bible says. Look at his background. Look at what his preparation time consisted of. First of all, I want you to know what his name means. Jephthah means this. He will open or set free. There was a call on his life from the moment he was given his name. Even before anybody knew who he would be, his mama gave him a name. She didn't have a clue, I don't think, what it meant. That he was, that the name was prophetic. His name meant that someday his life would be used to open doors for other people and that he would be used to set other people free. This is Jephthah. It's important. How could he live up to such a name How did he receive such greatness when he came from where he came? Because he didn't have all the perks and the blessings that you and I would assume. In fact, his his life was just opposite of what you would expect it would be for him to be known as he was known. This great warrior, this ruler who fulfilled his calling, set his people free, opened doors for his people, came from the absolute worst of settings. Look back, if you would, to the text. Number one, his mama was a harlot. That's not the best way to get started in society. 
not judging anybody. I'm just saying that generally that's a difficult way to get going. His dad, number two, was a cheat. How do you say he was a cheat? Because he was married to somebody that wasn't Jephthah's mama. Number three, he had two stepbrothers, and they were legitimate. They were the sons of their father and his wife. But he was not, so he was always the despised outsider looking in. Number four, he was kicked out of his home and his inheritance by his brothers. They drove him away and they divorced him from the family. For what? For just simply having been born outside what they considered to be respectable. And number five, it says that he fled or he ran away as he was being chased. So for just a minute, I want you to put your Bible down and I want you to try out that as your past. For your self-respect, lay your Bible in your lap and say, okay, if I'm Jephthah, I'm going to say to myself, I'm no good, right? I'm unloved. I ran like a coward. Now, this isn't looking good for Jephthah. This is where Jephthah came from. The status of his mind when he flees from his brothers who are chasing him away like a coward is, I'm no good, I'm unloved, I'm a coward, my life is over. Hmm. Now, based on testimonies of what we hear today in our courts, this was his excuse to be a loser. Here's his excuse to just go to jail, waste his life, Came from the wrong side of the tracks. He's had no help. The only thing that's expected of him from society is that he would go somewhere and be a failure and be a loser and be a quitter. And we hear those testimonies all the time, don't we? Of people who are, who are in prisons or who are in bad situations. They put a mic in front of their face and they say, well, I had it bad. I was, my mother was a prostitute. My dad beat us when we were growing up. My brothers were mean to me. Uh, la, 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 which is terrible stuff. I get it. I, 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 I do believe it's terrible stuff. But God had other plans for Jephthah's life. So he goes away, but even as he's fleeing, he's in the midst of making decisions that are going to affect the rest of his life. How do I know this? I know this because of where the Bible says he ended up. He went to the land of Tob, T-O-B, Tob. It's pronounced T-A-W-B. You know what Tob means? I hope you're listening to this. Tob means good. Put it together. He left bad but chose to go to good. Now, anybody can do that. You say, well, pastor, you don't know what I've been through. I, I've never had a break. People have been mean to me. They mistreated me. They, I've been abused. 
That's why I'm like I am now, and I'm never going to be anything, and I'm not ever going to go anywhere, and I'm never going to do nothing with my life, and everybody just needs to be nice to me, and everybody just needs to give me something because I obviously can't do anything on my own. I've, I've had, I haven't had the perks and blessings that other people have had, and all these other folks were born with a, with a silver spoon in their mouth, and I never had anything, and la, 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 la. And I don't mean to be unkind, but I would say to that, so what? You got a choice to make. Get up and go to Tob. It's your choice. You have to make that choice. Well, pastor, it's not that easy. You can't get, you can't get to Tob from where I am. Ask Jephthah, you can get to Tob from where you are. This may not be popular with some folks, but it's true. I want you to notice something about when he gets to Tob, he encountered some people who were just like the ones he left behind. A bunch of the scripture calls them a bunch of worthless men. And those people line up to follow him. You say, well, that's not really anything to brag about. Now he's got him an army of losers. Hang on a minute. There's a lesson to be learned here for you. It's this. Who you are is in you and you cannot conceal it. Here's a little lesson on leadership. If you're a leader, you're a leader. If you have leadership ability, you have influence. And regardless of where you came from, you're either going to lead people good or bad, but you're going to lead them. A leader's going to lead, and somebody's going to follow a leader. People follow good leaders, people follow bad leaders, but leaders lead and people follow. So he's got a whole bunch of bad guys that are willing to follow him because there's a gift in him that he cannot conceal. And here's something you need to understand. Your gifts will expose you, and that's God's will for your life. Let that get in your spirit for a minute. You can't conceal the gifts that God has put in you because utilizing those gifts is God's will for your life. But you got a decision to make on how you're going to use your giftings. So he gathers together this group of seemingly worthless men and they start going on raids. Now, these are not his better days. They're out raiding people, stealing stuff. Taking things. These are not, these are not good days. These are not good things. But I want you to understand something. Even this is preparation for his future. Are there any people in this room that before you came to know Christ was sinners? Anybody? Or were all of you perfect? Am I the only one that was not perfect when I came to Christ? I'm going to tell you something. I heard the statement. That every individual will greatly influence the lives of 10 people in their lifetime, minimally. And I prayed for years that my 10 didn't happen before I come to know Christ. Because I was a leader before I was saved. And I had a group before I, I had a group of disciples before I was ever a Christian. And they followed around and did what we did. 
And I had to pray about that. One of them specifically I've really prayed about because he was younger and, and I've watched his life since and I don't know that he's ever gotten back on track. He looked up to me. He thought I was the coolest thing he'd ever seen, you know. Stories I'd tell and things I'd do and the way I lived and drove and all the kind of stuff that I used to do. I mean, this kid, he just thought I was the, the coolest thing there ever was and I was not. And I prayed for years and said, God, I pray that I, that, that I'm not, that he wasn't one of my ten. And that you'll reach him. Can anybody identify? This is what was going on in Jephthah's life. He's got a, he's got a calling on his life. He's got leadership qualities. He can't conceal the gifting that's in him. And he's doing bad things. But even in the doing of bad things, God is using that for preparation for where he's going. I am not at all saying that if there's sin in your life, that it's supposed to be in God's using your sin. That's not what I'm trying to say. But I could tell you that there's some folks in business today that started out selling drugs. And God saved them and they don't sell drugs anymore, but now they make money for the kingdom of God. That even in their sin, God was allowing things in their life to be honed in. Now, now would have God preferred that they've been doing something different? Yes, he would have preferred that. But he spared them in their sin, knowing where they were going to go. Am I, am I talking to anybody yet? Anybody? This is, this is a church of the, this is, this is a church full of good folk and can't nobody relate. I'm just, hang on and y'all just listen while I talk to myself for a few minutes. And I'm up here spilling my guts and talking about myself. This is preparation for his future. I want you to say something a couple of times out loud. Say these words, and in time. Say it with me, and in time. Say it again, and in time. Why do I want you to say that? I want you to get that in your mind. I want you to get it in your heart. Very important because here's what the scripture said. Jephthah is out there using his influence to lead people in the wrong direction. God is going to use that as preparation for where he's going. And it says, and in time. That's what God's doing in you and I. We're works of progress that will in time be ready to move forward with our next mission. The scripture said that in time, Jephthah came to make war. In time, Jephthah was prepared. In time, Jephthah was ready. And so it just so happens that back home, Jephthah's brothers find themselves in a bind. They're facing attack. They have no leader. Nobody's strong enough to lead them into battle. Nobody's hardened enough by life to be able to lead the, the soldiers into battle. They have no leader. And all of a sudden, they start thinking they remember Jephthah. Yeah, Jephthah. They came calling. In time, Jephthah came to make war. And his brothers came calling and they said, come and help us. And, and Jephthah's my, this is my translation. Jephthah said, say, aren't you the guys that hated me? Aren't, aren't, aren't you the fellows that threw me out of the house? 
Aren't you the guys that chased me away and now you're coming to me for help? Mm, That's ironic, isn't it? Now that you're in a tight place and you got the enemy breathing down your neck, now you're coming to me for help. Judges 11 verse 8. My translation goes like this. His brother said, rightly so. We're asking for your help. We've been watching you. You're not the little unsure kid that we ran off. Hard living and tough times and adversity have turned you into a soldier. You're not a crying little kid anymore, but you're a warrior. And running with these thieves has made you a strong leader. And living in this manner by your wits has given you the mind of a strategist. We're soft, but you're strong. Come home and help us. Wow. This is a message of hope to somebody today. Isn't it? Somebody who said, hey, man, I've, man, I've been so bad. I've done so bad, much. I've led people the wrong direction. God can never use me. God may especially use you because the devil is mean and ugly. And soft people don't whip up on the devil. Mean people whip up on the devil. Mean people are the ones that have been through sin. They've been through the gutter. They've been through the slime. They've seen the harshest. They've seen the worst. They've been beaten up by the devil themselves. And they get to the point where they, they're just so mad at the devil. I like to see a soldier like that that's just so mad at the devil that he don't feel sorry for him. I'm tired of seeing preachers stand behind pulpits who talk like they almost feel sorry that the devil's going to go to hell. The devil needs to go to hell. And everybody that followed him needs to go with him. I'm not talking about the people. I'm talking talking about all those demons that torment and try to do things to you and try to cause you to be in bad situations. They all hell was created for them. I don't feel sorry for the devil. I don't want to hear a preacher that stands up here and says it's a shame the poor devil, he's going to have to go to hell. The devil wants to kill you. His job description is this. He gets up every day with your name in mind and says, I want to kill, steal, and destroy them. And you going to feel sorry for him? Jephthah didn't feel sorry for the enemy. Jephthah been facing the enemy. He's lived through hard times. He's been through some very serious situations. His life has never been easy. It's been a hard road the whole time coming up. No doubt he prayed prayers and felt bad and cried tears and couldn't understand why things had to be so bad. But sometimes things have to be bad in your life to prepare you so you'll be mean enough to do what God needs you to do against the kingdom of darkness. Not popular, but it's true. They said, we're soft, but you're strong. Come home and lead us. And he did. And the resume that I gave you a minute ago, you remember the resume I gave you? The ten things I pointed out about his life? How that he died, but before he led and la, 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 la. It was at this point that that resume begins to be compiled. So where are you going with this, Pastor? Well, I'm glad you asked. It's this. You got some choices to make. If you're the one I'm talking to, you got some choices to make. You could quit. You can quit. Society tells you it's okay to quit. You brought up believing in a lot of cases that it's okay to quit. It's easier to quit now in this generation than it's ever been. I'm not being mean to this generation. I'm just saying this is probably the easiest generation there's ever been to quit and be okay, everybody be okay with it. You can quit. You can use excuses. You can hide out. 
You can keep running. Or you can make the choice that Jephthah made and go to Tob. The past may have been bad. The experiences may have been hard. The memories may have been painful. But the choice is yours. Decide that you're going to Tob. In spite of everything that happened, you have to make the choice that you're going to go to the place of goodness. No matter what was the bad, I choose good from here on. Pastor, that's my choice. That's your choice. I love this story. A little boy that everything has gone wrong for him. But he rises up because the gift will always surface. And he creates a resume that would, revi- that would rival any resume we've ever seen because he makes a choice. Look at verses back to verses 1 through 3. They were our text. It tells you right there how the chips were stacked against him, right? I don't need to go all the way back through it in all detail. But again, mom is a harlot, dad's a cheat, brothers are mean, they're losers, la. He's made some mistakes himself. But in spite of all that, I want you right now to get your pen. If you hadn't wrote down anything, I want you to underline something in your Bible. It's the most important statement that's made about Jephthah. Look at verses 1 through 3. After the first statement, all those verses talk about all the bad, don't they? But what is the very first thing that is said about Jephthah? Jephthah was a soldier. That's the first thing that's said about him. After that, they start telling you all the other things... And causing your mind to say, how in the world could he be? Jephthah was a soldier because he chose to be. Nobody made him one. Nobody helped him to become one. He chose to become one when he had the chance to either be a sissy or a loser. He chose to be a soldier. A mighty man of valor. A leader. A warrior. Victorious in spite of everything because he chose it. You got a choice to make. If I'm talking to you, I'm not trying to be unkind. I'm not trying to be some kind of a, of, of a, uh, you know, a, a speaking motivator. I'm just preaching you the word this morning. And I'm saying in light of this word this morning, somebody needs to stop complaining. You're wasting your energy. Somebody needs to stop making excuses. You don't like things about your life. It's always easier to blame somebody else. It's always easier to try to get somebody on your side than it is for you to just step up and say, all right, I'm going to be part of the change agent. Stop running from place to place. I don't believe that ever in the history of the church has it been so easy for people to just run from place to place. There's not much loyalty in our generation anymore. People quit their church every five or six months because somebody else has got something better. Somebody built a new building. Somebody's starting a new work. Somebody's going over here. Somebody's doing that. Well, I was kind of getting bored here. Why were you getting bored here? Because you wasn't doing nothing. If you was in the trenches, you would be too busy to be bored. They quit their jobs. Why they quit their job? Got 
did they have another job to go to? A lot of times, no. Not the people that we're talking to that need money. We quit our job, Pastor Al Well, They were mean to us. Made us work. When did they make you work? The hours you agreed to? They wouldn't let you sit on your phone all day. They actually wanted you to work. So, well, we quit. Now we need some electric bill money. You don't quit your job till you got another one to go to. Somebody say amen. They quit on their relationships. It's not working out. We, 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 we fell out of love. I'm going to tell you something. Anybody that I've ever truly loved, I've never figured out how to quit. Again, I know I'm talking to people who've been through divorce. I'm not trying to kick you. For a lot of you, it wasn't your fault. You couldn't help. I understand that. I'm not picking on nobody. And again, Jephthah, I'm Jephthah too. We all make mistakes. I'm, t- I'm talking about, I'm not trying to pick on you. I'm just saying we live in a generation and we live at a time where it's easy to just quit. It's easy to run. It's easy to whine. It's easy to be bitter. It's easy to hold grudges. But here's what I want you to understand about Jephthah. The scripture says that Jephthah was a soldier. You know what? I never was a soldier. I was willing to be a soldier. Soldier. We went in. We were going into battle when I was graduating high school, and I was the first one in my town when I turned eighteen that the, they had started up the draft, and I was the very first one that went down there and signed up, and they put me put my picture in the newspaper and everything just because I was the first one to do it. I was scared to death. I mean, I was getting letters about how that whoever joined up was going to get killed. I mean, we were in it with Iran, and I don't know if y'all, most of y'all, don't remember that back in 1981 there was some tense times going on back then been a lot of tense times since and a lot of you joined and served and and that's why i cry every time i thank you for your service i didn't serve but i would have i went down and signed up for the draft if they'd call me i'd have went it's the right thing to do get me off on that but if you're going to live in this country be willing to fight for this country somebody say amen Here's what I've learned about soldiers, though, even though I never was one. Soldiers just keep moving in spite of discomfort or fear or hunger or lack of needed resources. They just keep on carrying out their mission. God is looking for soldiers in the kingdom of of heaven today. God is looking for people that will understand that all of the negative that happened in their life was preparation. It wasn't fodder for failure. I'm talking to soldiers today. I'm encouraging soldiers today. I'm saying to soldiers today, get up, let's go. You've got a resume of your own to compile. Don't let the past keep you from where God says your future is going to take you. It's time to leave Tob. It's time to leave everything else behind you. Let me conclude by giving you a couple of quotes from John Maxwell. He said, what we think determines who we are. And who we are determines what we do. Our thoughts determine our destiny. And our destiny determines our legacy. My question to us today is, 
Are there any of us that need to change the way that we've been thinking about ourselves? Thinking about the way or what is our reason for being? We all as believers have been sent to this planet with the same mission as Jephthah. And it's this, what his name meant. We are here to be instrumental in opening doors for others and setting people free. How? By what we know. I want us to determine today that we're going to be soldiers instead of statistics. I'm not willing, Pastor, to just be average. I'm going to be a warrior. I want to be a ruler because that's what God called me to be. I want to tell you something right now. You are not a loser. You're not a quitter. You're not a whiner. That's not who you were created to be. The devil may have talked you into doing that for a little season, but the Holy Spirit's shaking you out of that because that's not who you are. God put you on this planet. You're a winner. And he said he wanted you to have life and have that more abundantly, that he has a specific purpose and a calling on your life. And he doesn't want you to waste any more of that down here in the mire of the mess that the devil has somehow gotten into your head. You haven't gone too far. You haven't messed up too badly. Your past was not so bad that God can't use it. Everything the devil did to destroy you, God has used to bring you to this moment in time so that you can be more than a victor, more than a conqueror. You're a soldier. Jephthah was a soldier in spite of what the devil had tried to do to him. Isn't that an awesome word? Our prayer time is going to be for three things today. You're quiet, but you're looking at me. I know you're listening. I'm watching your faces. I know you're paying attention because you're looking this way instead of down. I know you got them cell phones. But I'm seeing eyeballs today. So I know you're listening. Our prayer time for three things. I'm here to encourage you today. There may have been a time in my life where that I used my leadership skills to lead worthless men and women. But I ain't leading worthless folks anymore. I'm leading winners. I'm leading soldiers. I'm leading champions. That's who you are. Doesn't, make, doesn't mean that I'm great for doing it. I, just, I don't know how I lucked in on this job. I was the least one that deserved it. Everybody here deserved it more than me. But somehow I got here and I'm just telling you, I look around at the people that I lead and they're not losers. Specifically gifted, called, equipped, prepared for greatness. It's what God has purposed for your life. No matter how hard the devil tries to lie to you and tell you it's not true. Stop feeling bad for feeling bad. Number one thing we're going to pray for today is for you to go to top. What's that mean? I want you to determine. I want you to choose a good future over a bad past. 
That's the first thing I'm telling somebody today. I'm praying for you for. That you will choose a good future over a bad past. That's your word. You don't have to raise your hand. I know you're here. Today you're going to choose a good future over a bad past. That's what it means to go to top. You choose to go there. Number two, here's what I'm praying for you. I'm praying, praying that you will change your mind and start thinking like God wants you to think with the mind of Christ. You say, well, I've been praying that God would change my mind. No, 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 no. You got to change your mind. God is not going to reach in and scramble your brain while you're asleep at night and turn you from a loser to a winner. You are already a winner. You're the one that needs to start changing the way you think about yourself. So I'm going to pray for you today that you will choose a good future over a bad past and that you will choose to start thinking about yourself the way God thinks about you with the mind of Christ. And thirdly, I'm praying that you'll be a soldier. That you will not allow failure or excuses to cause you to have a wasted destiny. But instead, you're going to make a choice today to say, I choose to be a soldier. And when they write down about me, it will say, Darren was a soldier. Now, when he was young, he did this, 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 and it. But I'm going to give account. I'm going to give an account. I've been forgiven for all that. It's been cast as far as these from the west, not to be remembered anymore. But do you know who remembers? The devil brings it up every once in a while. He reminds me every once in a while. I still fight the devil, guys. I still fight him. We got a choice to make. Why is it important? Why does this matter? Just so the quality of our life will be better till we die? No. Because I think, guys, you've heard this before, but I think we might be the last generation. I think that Jesus could come for us at any moment. I think that he might have saved the best for last. No one that he could count on us in crunch time. And I am not going to sit by and let the devil try to pick off my warriors one at a time. I'm calling him out today. We're showing him up today. Are you ready to pray? They're going to lead us in this last song. If one of those or any of those three things are for you. I want you to come and find yourself a place. Step out, warrior, soldier, step out and come and find yourself a place. I'm not calling the prayer team. I'm not calling ministers. Nobody for this part. We did earlier because that was necessary. This part is just you and God. It's one-on-one. And I'm asking, I want you to step out. If it's your word, you got decisions to make. You got statements to make to the Lord and to the devil. I want you to step out and kneel down around these altars. And I want you to claim to God what decisions you're making.